0: Good morning if you're in one of our worship centers this morning and hi if you're watching on youtube at any time of the week or the day of the night you're welcome john chapter 10 verses 1 to 30 are uh, towards the center of john's gospel the message of this passage is also towards the center of what john is seeking to communicate arguably the center is the upper room the crucifixion the resurrection of jesus and that comes later these events that we're considering or the teachings that we're considering this morning probably happened two one three months before the upper room and the crucifixion so it was within the year which jesus had found things gradually closing in on him his second year of ministry was a year of popularity his third year of ministry was a year of opposition. So it may be that Jesus and his disciples were feeling a little bit like we do at the moment. Uh, This has been a tough year for many, many people when we've felt closed in and restricted. So maybe it has a particular relevance for us uh, this morning two of the key I am statements occur during uh, this passage I'm actually going to put up just verses 1 to 18 and don't worry I'm not even going to read all of those but I, I want you to see the context of the particular three aspects of Jesus teaching that we're going to consider this morning. The first I'm going to hone in on and highlight is Jesus' I am statement where he says in verse 7, I am the gate for the sheep. The second that I'm going to emphasise is in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. And then I'm going to come back to what I think is both a summary statement and actually a grounding of at least those two I am statements where he says I have come that you may have life and have it to the full and that's in part of verse 10. Jesus said I am the gate for the sheep. Recognise that these two figures of speech are related to each other i am the gate and i am the good shepherd but they either interrelate or they may actually be two different pictures the gate to the sheep was actually the opening in the sheep pen where sheep were herded to for evening and on many occasions there would be several shepherds and several flocks of sheep would go into the one pen and that's why as part of this teaching jesus says that each sheep knows the voice of its own shepherd and he calls them out sometimes the shepherd was actually the gate as well so that the shepherd or a porter, especially appointed porter for a whole number of sheep, would lie in that. And therefore anybody who wanted to get in would have to go past them or through them, and any sheep would have to go past or through them. So that's the background where Jesus says, I am the gate um, for the sheep. This particular passage is not only pivotal to understanding who Jesus is, but it's also partly controversial. You would understand that um, when Jesus said, I am the gate, that sounds like as if that's exclusivist, it's maybe one-upmanship, it's levelled as being um, prejudiced, discriminatory um, because what Jesus was actually saying is uh, reinforced um, in John chapter 14 and verse 6 where he says I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me so he is saying I am the only way to salvation and you can understand how our secular society and how Many, many other societies and other religions would find almost offence at that statement. But can can I suggest to you that it's uh, both realistic as a statement, and it's also an invitation to all? So it's not actually exclusivist in that sense at all. We could talk for a long time about why I am going to assert to you that it's realistic, but I'll take just perhaps the nub of uh, the scripture emphasis here. What Jesus is saying is for salvation you need forgiveness, you need grace, and I am offering you grace through my death and resurrection. I am offering you forgiveness. Now, most other religions have some role for grace, but they don't have that foundational, pivotal role for grace that Christianity has. And sometimes grace is compared with or contrasted to works. Um, and, And... What is being presented here is that we can never earn our way into salvation, that that's a gift from God and it's available to all. And can I suggest to you that the reason why this is actually pivotal and it it has a deep sense to it is that we all need grace, that without grace we're gone. I'm sure you've recognised that, that we all fall short, that our lives will be significantly depleted, diminished, probably more difficult if we don't recognise that in our relationships with one another and with God and in a plethora of times every day we're either self-centred or we are unthinking, uh, we just miss the mark And we need the slate wiped clean. We need the opportunity to start again. We need the opportunity for freedom so that the love of God, that unconditional love of God brings us security in who we are. But the grace of God on the basis of that uh, security allows us to be free, allows us to start with a clean slate. Now, we're all, the Bible tells us quite clearly, We're all in the same situation in that respect. We all need grace. And the grace is actually, except for the love of God and love in the world, grace is the most powerful force for living effectively that is within our human experience. And that opportunity that we have, not only to receive grace, but to give grace, allows us to have good relationships in an ongoing way. It allows us to live creatively. It allows us to hold our heads up, as I'll share with you in a few minutes' time. It's on the basis of grace that life to the full begins to be even possible. And I love just the last part of um, the 13th verse of James 2 where um, Peterson translates, kind mercy wins over harsh judgement every time. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgement every time. Or in the NIV translation, it's um, mercy triumphs over judgement. And and I need to remind myself about that every day. Kind mercy wins over judgment every time. In my life, it's much more powerful. That doesn't mean that we are not able to discern, that we are not able to know right from wrong, that we are not able to recognize that there are negative repercussions of behavior and attitudes and words that are not of God but it means that the most powerful force in the world coming out of the love of God is the grace of God to allow us to live life to the full. The second of the figures of speech is where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And again, this is, crucial. This is the heart of the good news. That God is good. Jesus is good. That Jesus is a shepherd. That's one of his key roles in his relationship with his creation. And in those Eastern antiquity days, you would recognize that the shepherd was actually quite a crucial person within the whole community because sheep were crucial to the ongoing uh, viability of the community and the shepherd was not a person who followed the sheep the shepherd was the person who led the sheep and the shepherd was the person who protected the sheep so that and you know there are examples biblically as well of where for instance david um fought with a lion and a bear and so forth, so that there was needing to be incredible courage. Um, But the other part of that, and Jesus draws it out in this passage, is that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd and they follow him. I can't spend very long on that, but that is so both deep and in one or more ways, difficult. How do you know the will of God? It's perhaps on a day-to-day basis one of our most difficult discernment things because there are so many voices. And they are not all totally bad or totally good. How do you discern what is the voice of God? And, and recognise that And I've been encouraged, even through this COVID season, that um, quite a number of pastors have said to me, you know what COVID has helped us to do? It's to define and refine what is the essence of Christian faith and discipleship, and it's helping people to follow Jesus. That's that's the essence of it, helping you and me to follow Jesus. Jesus, And we will be more able to follow Jesus if we can discern his voice. And how do you do that? Well, uh, I think a few years ago I shared the uh, story that I'm about to bring. So if you've heard it before, um, I'm sorry about that. But it's had an incredible impact on me now for 50 years. About 50 years ago, we were having a family gathering. I think it was close to Christmas. It was in our home at North Rocks in Sydney. And our family is rather scattered, including one of our children and her family lived uh, in Victoria, near Geelong. And we were all together, which was a great time and it was noisy and exciting and whatever. And at one stage, Lyndall, our daughter, who approximately three months earlier had given birth to twins, um, I was standing near the door towards the stairs up to the bedrooms of our house and she just came towards me and as she went past she said to me, Ruby's crying. Now I hadn't heard child crying and i think my hearing was much better then than it is now so i probably would have heard it if i'd if it had been very audible she came back down about two minutes later with a little girl and she'd obviously been crying but she was being comforted and i thought that's amazing how incredible is that Nobody else heard Ruby crying, but the baby's mother did because the baby knew the cry and the voice of the daughter. God knows our voice. Do we know his voice? But the other amazing thing is that there were two babies up in that room and she knew that it was Ruby, not William. So God knows our voice and is able to discern and listen to us specifically, although that might seem absolutely mind-boggling to you, but he does. And then the question is, he's inviting us and challenging us to know his voice because if we know the kinds of things that he will say because we know him, we will discern his voice and know his way more clearly and that discernment situation is one that is present with us every day of our lives. so to follow jesus means that intimate organic relationship where we actually come to know his voice so the good shepherd the goodness of god and the caring of god is presented as a major picture of who Jesus is and therefore who God is to us. And uh, I've been interested to to notice and to note that um, in research that has been done on how sustainable and healthy pastors are in their ministries over a period of time, There is one factor that stands out from research as being more positive and effective than any other factor for the well-being and sustainability of ministry and it's the factor of intimate, organic relationship with a loving, gracious God. The nature of God is very important and I would encourage that we see him He's awesome, he's powerful, he's all-powerful. We need to be in awe of him and recognise that he actually is very discerning in terms of people who are rejecting him. He simply allows them to go their own way. That's basically my understanding of the biblical definition of hell. No God. No presence of the love and Grace of God. The third area that I'm concentrating on this morning is actually, I think, coming out of those first two at least and other passages. But in one way, it's a summary of the whole of the gospel and in particular, the gospel of John. And it's one that you would know very well jesus said i have come that you might have life and have it to the full i have come that you might have life and have it to the full what does that mean (laughs) how can i unpack unpack that in five or so minutes Uh, i struggle but i'm going to try just to give you some snippets of what I believe biblically and practically it means to actually have life to the full and how we get it. The first would be simply that uh, what we've already considered in those two I am statements is the crux of the whole matter. Life to the full comes through love, and grace security and freedom being able to recognize and be positive about life to be proactive in life but to recognize and this is actually a positive not a negative that we need to double back on a regular basis and accept and express forgiveness otherwise we live with that poison in our souls and that weight on our back of past. But if I can, having said that and highlighted that, move on, can I just give you a couple of other really important aspects, I think, of what it means to live life to the full uh, God's way. The first is to recognise that Jesus' teachings are actually the teachings that bring life that works because he is the architect the creator of life he actually knows how to live life and that the scripture is his communication with us at least in part the emphasis of the scripture is that he's giving us the inside message Now, I firmly believe that, that to live as a Christian is actually the best way to live life to the full, that God knows as creator how we can get it right. And I love um, the the passage that uh, is in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7 and verses 24 and 25. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. They're not just incidental homeowner improvements to our lives, kind of a tip or a guru saying, look, if you do this, you'll get ahead of the pack or something like that. This is the essence of living the gospel. These are actually words to be taken seriously at the heart of who we are and and I think that's one of my biggest challenges from day to day to actually not only believe that they are words to build a life on but actually as much as possible with the spirit of god's presence and help and power putting it into practice because some of it is actually in the human secular world's terms wacky give your life away in order to find it I've shared on previous occasions at one stage in my um, ministry life. I was very um, aware of and uh, felt very positively about what was called positive psychology within the area of the social sciences where actually there was study done and there still is a lot of study done on on what actually works best so that um, psychologists were saying let's not only deal with what goes wrong let's actually help people to find what works and on one occasion I read a summary up until that stage of the essence of all of these studies and my one response to it immediately was you find them in the New Testament Jesus taught all of those like give your life away and you'll find it wow like basically it's about relationships long-term effective healthy relationships and that those relationships come through mature secure behavior and approaches and through forgiveness and through grace again i'm encouraged incredibly to go deeper and deeper as a Christian because these really are words to build a life on. They are not just good tips or peripheral and other things are more important. And incidentally, one of the key areas of the teaching of Jesus is what really is important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. But just to conclude, there's another, I think, really important, almost pivotal area of living life to the full, and it might even seem to you that it comes from left field. It's uh, the encouragement that we find within the scripture and in the ministry of jesus and in the letters and so forth of the new testament and that is lift your head up be positive don't let the world not only not squeeze you into its mold but don't let the world actually gradually either wear you down or beat you down and i think this is a this is a relevant message for right now the way so many of us are feeling as a as a result of this year and even previously and the restrictions and the frustrations and the anxieties that come through covid this word is a word that is On the basis not of what we can do but as we said earlier on the basis of grace let me give you two scripture passages they're quite different contexts but i think they have the same kind of uh, theme to them i love this in romans 8 and this is verses 15 to 17 we're nearly done Um, romans 8 15 to 17 um you you may have heard this or read this before but this is I love Peterson's um, gift to put the message into beautiful language. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike. What's next, Pepper? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. That's important. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children, and we know we are... We are going to get what's coming to us an unbelievable inheritance we go through exactly what christ goes through if we go through the hard times with him then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him don't you love that not timid grave-tending words these are words for us to become positive proactive people in our society and the good times Are not necessarily easy but the good times come from those key love and grace capacities God puts in his life and are empowered by the spirit in us and then uh, there's another one that comes from Jesus and the Gospels and I think may have some direct relevance in one sense to where We are in COVID at the moment. And Jesus, after he's been talking about the end times, and the end times are difficult times and life is closing in, the world is beginning not to work in any way the way God actually created it to work. And I think when it gets to that point, at some point God says, okay, um, it's gone far enough. And he says in Luke 21 and verse 28, when all this starts to happen up on your feet, stand tall with your heads held high. Help is on the way. In difficult times, let us lift our heads up, not be defensive, not be um, aggressive, Be prepared to be strong, be prepared to be courageous, be prepared to be sustainable and that's there incredible but lift your heads up. Let's in this time in our communities, let's be the light through the love and grace of God because wherever light is, it conquers the darkness. Did you realise that? And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Where there is light, the darkness is a goner. Mercy triumphs over judgement, if you like. Wherever God's love and mercy are, and this might sound a little bit crass, but that's going to win. There is a hope in our faith in a good, loving, gracious God that we can lift our heads up and be light and salt, to be God's colours and flavours. And I think I shared last time I was preaching that there was a um, a lady who lives in the units that we live in in Gosford who shared with me that she, at the supermarket, she realised that her credit card wasn't working It she wasn't going to be able to pay and it was a surprise to her and she was beside herself almost and it was over a hundred dollars i think 150 dollars and the next person in the line just walked up and put their credit card on i've heard two maybe i can't remember i've heard three other instances where somebody has done that since i shared that illustration so somehow or another the love and grace in this world can come and shine brighter in dark times could i just encourage that uh, one of the things that we can do in this time of difficulty is to pray Uh, peterson says that the two major prayers are thanks and help And I reckon we're we're, we're all good at both of those or we're certainly good or we could be good at the help one. That's almost a, a natural instinct. Even people who don't believe in God tend to pray when they're in tough times. But by God's love and grace, the whole idea of gratitude and thankfulness can grow. And can I just encourage, if we're a bit older, let's pray for the younger. Pray for young people today. It's good that school's finished. It's been a terrible year for many young people. Some have thrived, not many, I care to say, but many children have found it. Teachers have found it very, very difficult. Um, And if you're a young person, would you pray for us oldies? Because as life gradually closes in on you, to stay gracious is... A miracle. And could we all pray for the people who are the parents and those in the middle who in some ways have borne the major brunt of the times that we live in. So I believe this is God's word to us today. Lift your heads up. Let's not live a tired, grave tending life. Let's say, what's next, Papa, knowing that our God leads us on as a courageous, good shepherd. Can we pray together? Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for Jesus representing so wonderfully and powerfully who you are. Thank you for your goodness, which includes your love and grace as pivotal. We want to live deeply in those today. We want to live deeply in those so that we can be your light and salt, so that the light will conquer the darkness, so that people will know that mercy triumphs over judgment, so that there's the opportunity for us in whatever stage of life we are in to be light and salt, to bless people, to pray for others, to know, Father, that you are working everything together for good in these times. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.